And we're back. I'm Corey. Sahara's with me. Hello. We're doing another episode of That's Haram, in case you couldn't tell. (laughs) The fact that you clicked on a That's Haram link and hit play. I mean, if you're in the wrong place, I'm sorry, but you might as well stick around. You should. We're going to talk about East of La Brea. Yes, that was finally out. Uh, Sahara, you want to tell them where they can watch it? Yeah, so we'll post a direct link below, but it's on Powder Keg TV's Instagram. And so they have the episodes split up. Uh, each episode, there's six, or you can watch it all in one go. And the all in one go link has the caption. Since, as you know, Instagram and captioning is an adventure. And I it's only about it an all hour. in one go. I think that's the easier way to do it. Yeah. And then if you're feeling kind, you can just, you know, hit play on all the other ones to give them some views. But yes. it's all on Instagram. It's a really quick watch. Like I said, it's less than an hour, so it feels like you're watching a regular hour of TV. But obviously you can tell when the episodes switch to the next episode. So for those of you who are new and haven't heard me talk about this series at length in a bunch of other episodes, because I've been excited for it for literally years. Because the news broke of this. It, yes, many articles. It, it broke in 2018. Mm. That Paul Fagg, who's done a lot of comedy movies, um, he did Bridesmaids, a whole bunch of other stuff, that his company had made this new um, secondary company, Powder Keg, and they had this initiative called Break the Room. And so they pulled together room writer's rooms, right, for uh, I think about a few weeks that they did this for each writer's room where they had them sequestered away and they just pulled together a series of shorts. So Issa Labrea came from a writer's room of all women of color, all, I think, are Muslim, and Samir Gardezi, who was the executive director. And so they filmed this, they had it ready, and then it kind of just, like, disappeared off the face of the planet, and it went through a bunch of different changes as to where it was going to air and who was going to air it and all this shenanigans. And then finally, finally, last month, it might have even been two months ago because time is fake, they were able to post it on Instagram. And so I had already reviewed it, but of course, Corey and I were like, we've been talking about this forever. We have to do an episode responding to the series and what we thought about it. So that's what it's, this episode's all about. Yeah, it's just a month <clears throat> later because, you know, July and Hodge was kind of a little bit timely that we needed to get that in there. Yeah. But that's okay. You can still go watch it if you haven't. Yes, you should. you should. You should watch it multiple times. I mean, I've watched it like three times now, so it's been a good time. I've now said the word time 16 times. The point is, you should watch it. It's great. And we'll just get right into it because Corey and I have been busy bees this weekend. So you'll probably hear it in our voices that we're a little bit, not necessarily under the weather, but we've talked a lot. So our throats are just like, please take a break. Why can't you stop recording things? Yeah, and but one it's of because us is we... fasting today. So I've got fast brain to boot. Why did you do this to yourself? <laughs> no. <laughs> Corey. <laughs> I make up my fast in the winter because then I can just do it over winter break. But that's I bad. feel bad if I do it over the winter when the days are shorter. It feels like I'm cheating unless like Ramadan actually falls during that time. Okay. Well, while Corey the not cheater fasts, I guess I'll go ahead and start talking about the series then. So long story short, the show is about uh, two Muslim characters and a Salvadorian character uh, and their lives in L.A. So Koreatown, little Bangladesh, and um, other parts of L.A., which Corey can speak to because clearly I am not from there. 
And I love how you think that just because I live in LA means I'm like somehow knowledgeable about every neighborhood. I, I'm like okay. South Central. <laughs> so. You are more knowledgeable than I who would have to Google map it. Let's put it that way. I mean, I can tell you some of the areas that they're in. Like, I mean, let's be real. Most of LA is going through gentrification, even like my neighborhood is going through gentrification because USC keeps creeping in because they refuse to build more housing. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. That's wrong. <laughs> um, that's my first that's wrong for this episode. But that, that does lead into one of kind of like the main three characters, um, Moises. Mm-hmm. You know, his entire thing is... He has this new restaurant. He got a fancy loan for it. And he has all these ideas about how he wants to make food and what he wants to change. And it, his restaurant kind of becomes an expensive hipster place. Yeah. Um, just rewinding real quickly, let's introduce the other two characters. Yes. So Moises is played by Rufini Romero. And then we've got Aisha, who is African-American Muslim. She's played by Jeffrey Maya. And then we have Farha, who's played by Kauzer Muhammad. Farha is Bangladeshi in the show. And I want to say Kauzer is Bangladeshi and Pakistani. Which, for me, it was really exciting because, as I've talked before at length on one of our episodes in the past, South Asians are not interchangeable. Like, technically, yes, all of our ancestors came from the same area because Lowell's partitioned, but we're different. And so it's important to have actual people of specific backgrounds playing those characters because there is an important link to that. And part of that for this show, when they were doing their casting, I was able to look up the casting call. They specifically wanted people who could speak Bangla. And I think that's really important, not only because they obviously have to speak in, in the show, but there's a truth to that as compared to someone being fed the lines and trying to speak a language they don't actually speak and only saying those specific lines. Versus mm-hmm. here, for her and the um, actress who plays her sister, Sharmita Bhattacharya, who is based on that last name alone, most likely Bengali from Kolkata, North Bengal, in India, um, they're both able to actually speak the language, which is really cool. So the three of them are, you know, in their mid to late 20s. <laughs> they are struggling with life in the way that mid to late 20s people are, especially when it comes to living in a city that is being, in areas that are being gentrified. In very specific ways, though, I mean, what Moises is going through is not the same as what, like, Aisha is going through, and it's not the same as what Farah is going through. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So, like, you know, Aisha, some background, like, she was, you know, big writer, you know, she got awards for it in college, and she works for a commercial real estate group now and she's not particularly (laughs) fulfilled nor happy or being paid as much as she would like to be yeah and far is kind of a hot mess just farha is 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 driving for lyft and taking aisha who is also her roommates you know hair care products and just causing hot chaos everywhere she goes it's a good time so, I mean, they each have their own different... Like, you see with Aisha, she's... I don't want to, like, necessarily say the more... Um, well, let's be real. She's more responsible than Farah is in certain ways. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no. Well, and I think it's one of those... You know, spoilers abound, right? So please watch the show before you come listen to us because we want to talk at length about certain things. I mm-hmm. think it's interesting to see the way the responsibility plays out for each character. So, obviously, Melissa's literally running a restaurant. 
Um, all of his staff, except for his father, who is also part of the restaurant, are DACA recipients, which is a huge deal because he really wants to give back to the community. He really wants to help these kids. Um, I say kids are all older than me, but like he wants to help the, the people that he's hired. But uh, in my review, as I said, it's just a hipster millennial place, like literally half an avocado sliced up one egg. And there's a running joke about how when they first show up, Aisha and Farha, to like see the restaurant and like support their friend, there are literally no other people of color in there except for the people in the staff. And so it becomes this restaurant that over the course of the hour of the six episodes, you see them. There are lines out the door, but very rarely do we see people of color in the restaurant because it's still one of the just any kind of stereotypical millennial restaurant you can think of. It's that. Versus Aisha, she's holding up a job, but she doesn't like it. And she's trying to save money because she realizes she's wasting all her money eating out. Versus Farha drives to a lift, but really doesn't seem to have any kind of other motivations in life. Yeah, or a steady job for that matter. Well, and again, like the second episode, you see um, Aisha realize I spend so much money on like coffee and eating mm-hmm. out and she, it is just like, what was that children's book? Alexander and the Horrible, No Good, Very yeah. <laughs> except it was a week for her. She was, I mean, she was struggling that week and you can't help but feel for her and you feel triumphant when she's like, I have saved $300 right? and then her car breaks down. <laughs> It's also just, well, and also, I mean, that, that scene where she has to find a parking spot for her car, and then she comes back and finds out her car, like, I think another car hit it, and so, like, the front part is broken, and she has to pay up front to get it fixed, and it's going to take two weeks. And mind you, this is literally all after her and her mom have had, not necessarily a fight, but it's one of those recurring uh, conversations where, she, you know, she helps pick up her mom once in a while, but her mom doesn't have a car, and then, of course, she no longer has the car, so then her mom has to pick her up. And her mom wears a job, and she doesn't. So there's all these layers that they cram into 10 minutes at a time, and it's Mm. really, really amazing. And you even see, like, her mom at the end, because Aisha's without a car for two weeks, and her mom comes to pick her up in a new car. Yeah. Yeah. And takes the coffee as a peace offering. Which is super sweet. And I think, you know, we don't have the time to get into every single episode, because it just would be impossible to analyze every single one but I really love Aisha is a really great example of how you can be Muslim and you have Muslim family members but then you have other family members who aren't Muslim right because they go to a barbecue mm-hmm. they go to a cookout um, Farha's invited and doesn't bring what she's supposed to bring because again Farha's a disaster who I love dearly don't get me wrong she's so relatable even for me when I'm not like her at all beyond just being Bangladeshi um, and Aisha's and, and- aunt is um passive aggressive snooty in the extreme yeah yeah and you know her uncle wants her to eat the ribs that he's made i'll sneak you some i'm i told you this last night yeah i know it's something like every muslim deals with but i'm gonna say if you're a revert Mm -hmm. it seems like you deal with this so much more frequently because you have friends that are like, how can you give up bacon? It's okay, I'll sneak it to you. And then they sneak it into your food without telling you. And you're like, well, now I can't eat my food. Thanks. Thank you for this. This was super helpful. Yeah. All like, I ever wanted. <laughs> why can you not respect my wishes? I'm going to say one other thing. Um, I started watching this and then I mess- messaged Sahar within like the first minute and a half. And I was like, OMG, I know that auntie. 
Yes. It's the this first is episode specifically... when she's like, she's at Juma and she's <laughs> leaving, and an auntie comes up. He's like, here's a prayer meeting for all our new blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh no, I was born with, yes, we all were. And I mean, she's just treating her like a revert. And I'm going to say, as a revert, there are aunties with that energy where you're just like, I just want to curl into a hole and die. And it has nothing to do with, like, there's so many more layers with how she's treating Aisha, partially because of the phone going off, partially probably because Aisha's black. But Mm -hmm. I I do want to just be like, every single revert knows that auntie. (laughs) And it never changes. No matter how many times the auntie sees you, like, you know, you're always going to be the new revert in her mind. Well, you know, it's interesting because even for me, that whole scene beyond the phone ringing, which I just think is really funny because I always had a ringtone that was halal because I was always afraid that if I did it, it would in fact go off in the mosque and that would cause a problem. Do people silence your phones when you go into the masjid? Yeah, but but clearly Aisha forgot to, right? Like, that's partly the situation is that, like, even if you think you've silenced your phone, you clearly didn't. And Farha keeps calling her. And calling her and calling her. Well, Even no, the I just mean knows. in general. Like, there are so many Muslims I know that they'll go in for, like, Juma or other prayers. And I'm going off about silencing my phone. And then my phone just went off. <laughs> LOL. That's what you get. <laughs> I'm going to silence that. But I'm like, I just love how we are incapable of remembering to silence them. Um, like, I just because, exampled. Right. Well, so, <laughs> I think, too, the follow-up line of Saudi mosques, you know... There's there's a lot of layers here, right? So mm-hmm. not only is it because Aisha's an African American Muslim, Black Muslim, um, and, and the aunties are being very snooty, but it also has to do with the fact that she's not wearing what they would consider appropriate clothes. And there's this whole spectrum of experiences happening here. And actually, um, this plot kind of happened in Nine One One Lone Star, which is an interesting show. So, but but that is a plot that happens a lot. Because it's such an experience that we have, regardless of where we come from. I, for me, going up my mosque, right? I am was, until as of two years ago, three years ago, we were the only Bangladeshi family in the whole mosque, which was predominantly Pakistani and Indian. And there was this one auntie who, no matter what I did, would have something negative to say. But it didn't matter because, one, I had been at the mosque longer than her. Like, my dad had known the imam longer than she did. And no one was going to say anything to me because I also was one of the older kids and had every, like, I knew everyone and everything. And it always became this thing where it's like, if I showed up in jeans, it wasn't okay. If I showed up in salwar kameez, it wasn't okay. And I'm like, you're supposed to be praying to God. Why the F are you harassing me? Also, I am like 12 at the time that this is happening. And then through high school. So it's a really relatable moment. And for that to be the start of the show, I think, set the tone immediately of like this is going to get in to those complicated and really difficult conversations about what it means to be a muslim and the muslim american in la gentrification all of those pieces all together in 55 minutes Mm -hmm. i mean and this is the thing that is really impressive about how many different elements they're able to layer in to Mm -hmm. just these 10 minute episodes like the one with you know, Aisha trying to save money and everything keeps happening. We're like with, um, like I said, with Moises, with his restaurant, there's, you know, the story progression of that is there is um, another Latino man who has, you know, kind of like an old school food cart that he tries to start poaching Moises' customers. 
And the way they frame it is like you you understand why Moises is pissed off. Mm-hmm. Like you understand why because the guy is getting progressively more in your face about it. But the way he finally just blows his top and then calls the police on the guy confirms it in front of everybody and the guy loses his entire cart. Mm-hmm. Because the guy doesn't have a license. So, of course, this completely falls apart. And the other thing that I think is really important about that scene, I mean, when I was watching it, when the police first showed up because Moses' father is giving them food. Um, or not Moses' father, I'm sorry. It's the, like a restaurant that's on the same street. And then Moises' father shows up. I apologize. And (laughs) the guy speaks to them in English and is, like, super nice and kind and whatever because it's a new police officer who's, like, learning about tacos and, like, Latin American, like, Mexican food. And the guy, like, speaks in Spanish and is like, ugh, these dang pigs or whatever. And then later we see the same cops who, if the whole idea is that they're supposed to be cops that know the area, they're still responding to this guy poorly. They're still responding to him in a carceral manner of like, you don't have your license? Well, you're going to have to pay a fine. We're going to have to take you in. And now this guy who, by the way, when we see him open his fridge, has nothing in his fridge, right? All he has are his supplies for the mayonnaise um, for the elotes that he's going to make. And we also see him with his wife who it's implied that maybe she might be sick or just because they're older, like has health issues. And so there's all of these things that in literally four minutes they've done, which is, you know, again, a testament to how good the writers were and how thoughtful they were of like, we don't have any filler space. We're going to hit you with everything at once. And so then when Moises finally realizes what he did was really wrong, he tries to give the kid, the other guy's son, um, money. money and the son understandably spits at him and it's like, like, no, all because he wanted to make this restaurant that he thought he was doing great things with, but at what cost, right? Because his restaurant now, by being a millennial hipster spot, has gentrified the space. And yes, he's hired all of these DACA recipients, which is really commendable and really important, but at, at the expense of his own Salvadoran culture. And so there's all of these things happening with Moises. And in another episode, you know, one of my favorite episodes is the episode where Farha completely puts her foot in her mouth you know, she pretty much puts everything in her mouth because she uses Aisha's hair product, um, specifically an African American hair product, right? And after then she tells her no. After she tells her no, because she says it's expensive and you don't like you don't need to be laying down your hair. Like that's not what needs to be happening here. She uses it. She takes a photo. The company for the brand reaches out to her and it's like, hey, do you want to model for like you know do some influencing for us? Aisha doesn't find out until Farha screws up. And uh, Farha tells her, hey, this thing happened. I'm going to say something that they shouldn't have me model because I'm not black, right? Great. That makes total sense. However, she takes it two steps farther and calls for a boycott, which is not her job. And not her place. And she gets completely reamed by quote unquote black Twitter. And for any of us on Twitter, black Twitter is a great time. Uh, And responds to many things very quickly, right? So, so she's getting reamed on Twitter. Everyone is calling her, like, names and being like, why are you getting our space, cultural appropriating, blah, blah, blah. Simultaneously, at the same time, right, again, so this is in 10 minutes, they have another story where, where Aisha, bless her heart, I love her for this. She's sick and tired of the white guy talking about her hair and microaggressions at the real estate company. And it's played, and I didn't put this in my review because I wasn't 100% sure, but it's played that the white guy is also gay. Right. So, again, we've got 16 layers of things happening here where it's the same stereotype of like gay white man and then a black woman and like how there's interactions between those two groups. 
Well, and he, in particular, it's like microaggressions about her hair. He sees her yeah. at the beginning of that episode and is like, nice Mufasa mane. Yeah, she Mufasa takes chic, offense too. Yeah, which is yeah. offensive. And, and, and she brings it up to her coworker, Renee, who is amazing. By the way, I can't wait to see her in more work. Um, Zainab Johnson, beautiful. Just, she, anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. Sorry. She's great. And Renee tells her, you know, I don't want to, like, yeah, he says weird things to me, too. But, like, I don't want it to be weird and I don't want to deal with it. Because people are going to respond to microaggressions differently. And she tells um, Aisha to leave it alone. Like, she'll not bring her up. And, like, if she wants to deal with it for her own, that's fine. Of course, Aisha doesn't listen because otherwise there wouldn't be this plot. And Aisha goes up and says for him to stop and it's not acceptable. And, of course, there's this, like, you know push and pull between are you calling me racist and he actually does apologize fortunately like he does it looks like he's generally contrite and like it's a little bit awkward after but then Renee is understandably like why did you get me into this this all dovetails together towards the end where Farha they both get like, told off <laughs> exactly where 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 Farha shows up at the real estate office and it's like I messed up like tells Aisha the full story and Renee is like oh you're that girl and um Honestly, if you don't watch the show for anything else, just you have to go watch this episode just for Renee's beautiful takedown of, like, how to apologize, how to stay out of people's business, and just uh, don't screw up and don't speak for other people. And she also tells Aisha, like, I understand that you're mad about the comments, and I am too, but, like, I don't want to be involved in this, and you refuse to listen to me, and that's not cool. So I think it brings up a lot of things especially in response to what's happening right now in our world where people are kind of a lot of people are like black lives matter and I'm learning about microaggressions and systemic violence and I'm learning about all these things and it's become in some places in some circles there is definitely an echo chamber occurring where people are like oh I've learned these terms and now I'm quote woke which as we know has been appropriated from African-American vernacular English like everything unfortunately and so even though this was filmed in, like, what, 2018, it's still super, super mm-hmm. applicable to 2020. And I think that this episode especially is a great example of how all three of their stories really come together and the writers really thinking through what it means for all of them to be dealing with these situations. And then later, of course, as we go throughout the series, we also get to meet Farha's sister and we get to learn a little bit more about why Farha is a hot mess. Um, disaster, who I love dearly, but also, oh my god, Farha, you're stressing me out. And it the turns ways, out... I'll, I will say, the ways in which Farha is responsible mm-hmm. are in the sense of you have that kid that has... I mean, we're talking spoilers, so dad is an alcoholic. Yeah, and mom's dead, cause, which, or you know, missing, Karam. but probably dead. <laughs> Dad's an alcoholic, Haram, and... He can get physically violent. And Farah is the only one who still goes to take care of him. So I I see elements of, like, she is hyper-responsible in some areas, and then you can see Because of that, she's not responsible in others, yeah. Yeah. Well, and and specifically, her father thinks that it's her sister. So, uh, you know, she shows up, she she moves the bottle, tries to get him his medicine... She do- he doesn't agree. He pushes at her. She falls and hurts her. She, like, hits her back against the dresser. And the whole time, he's been calling. that, that she- Like, once she shows up to the house and is looking for his medicine, this whole time, he's been calling for her sister. The one that 
she feels abandoned her entire family because her older sister, um, who wears a job and works as a teacher and is like doing these great, amazing things, uh, you know, isn't there to help because Never she but it understandably raises, doesn't want to. I think it raises, if they get a season two, I think that would be a really good thing to explore of, you know, Farah, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong, does feel a responsibility still to her father, but mm-hmm. her sister, for very understandable reasons, is triggered at the thought of going home, and it is not healthy for her to be there. And mm-hmm. one of the things I really enjoyed was, I think, and I hope we get a, se- a second season where we can explore more of that, but I really enjoyed how we kind of had that little cathartic moment of Fada realizing it's like, it's not that my sister abandoned us. It's like, she cannot be there. Yeah. Cause like, she has she a panic cannot, attack when they show yeah, up. She um. cannot handle it. And you finally see the two like kind of reconnect of like, wow, this is a really effed up situation. And, and I think part of the context for that, which obviously if you've watched it, you know, and for those of you who are just like, we're going to listen anyway, I, I applaud you. Because you have no clue what's going on, even though we're giving you, like, you know, episode by episode, like, drive-throughs. Um, so what happens is Zoya asks Aisha, because Aisha has an English degree and so does Farha. They actually both have an English degree um, to come speak to her students. And when, when she goes, because she's like, I don't feel comfortable, but I'm going to do it because you're my sister's friend and also you're my friend. But also, why didn't you ask your sister? You know, all those parts and pieces. Uh, Farha shows up and they have kind of a knockout drag out fight and then the next day Zoya decides to pop up and hang out in her lift the whole time so she's like well if you're not going to talk to me then I'm going to sit in this lift and she literally goes on all of Farha's lift rides and then Farha finally at the end of the day um, it's after sunset takes her and she's like you want to talk let's talk and so they show up to her to their dad's house which is probably their childhood home and that's when Zoya pretty much, like, has a panic attack and starts crying. And then Farah's like, okay, okay, I'm not going to make you go inside. And that's kind of where it ends because, again, there's only six episodes. But right. I think what it does is it really brings up, without it being preachy and without it being any kind of, like, let's sit down and have, like, a PSA-style story. It's here are all these really difficult things that are going on. Their city's changing around them. They all are getting older. They have responsibilities to their families, to themselves, to each other. What do they actually want out of life? And what does it mean, especially, I think, for Farha and um, Zoya? To, to Zoya is, like, gainfully employed. She's a great teacher. Like, it looks like the kids really look up to her. The school program, like, seems to be going really well. All of those parts and pieces. But she doesn't talk to her father, for obvious reasons. And she's also not talking to her sister. And then Farha, who spent half the show getting yelled at on Twitter because she wanted to be, like, a brown savior essentially (laughs) and then be like boycott this company um because i think you should when the whole reason this even started she chose to wear the product when she was told directly not to and i did love aisha being like you're gonna pay me back for the whole thing yeah i thought that was great Um, well one thing i really liked about aisha because i mentioned earlier she was doing uh she was a writer yeah and they i think do such a good job there was like i I guess it's a flashback if she wrote a a draft a manuscript of of a book and she goes in to meet with 
an editor slash publisher and the publisher's just like well where's the realness where's the gritty urban and Aisha's like well that's not what I wanted to write about and you see this white lady it's like but I just want the real and the gritty and the raw and the street level and I'm like (laughs) and Aisha's just like yeah that's not why am I being pigeonholed like this which I thought was just handled really well because that lady thinks she's being helpful and you see that she's still, like, kind of keeping in touch or asking about it, I guess, and... So, I don't think that was a flashback. I think that was so... um, I don't know this character's name because I don't know that we actually got the name multiple times, but it's someone who works at one of the real estate properties and he's bringing in his boss's check. And the the company where he's bringing his boss's check from is that writer. And so he hooks hooks Aisha up with, like, a meeting. And so when Aisha goes... They have that meeting, and then later we have, like, a, you know, time passing in this story is kind of difficult to fully ascertain. It's probably been a few days. I figured she it goes- was a flashback because you look at her emails, and there's, like, months between. That's what I was going off of. Ah, well, that's fair. I mean, I think, well, so, like, time again. Yeah, what- time with this show is... <laughs> She, she, regardless of whether it was, like, flashback to us or to her, she goes eventually to the meeting, all that jazz, but then when she goes home, she goes to her childhood home, and she goes to this box of, like, all of her stuff, and actually you see, like, hijabs and things, and there's a picture of her wearing a hijab, so clearly as a kid she wore it, or younger, I should say. Um, She goes and, like, pulls all these clothes out of the way to find her manuscript, and she, we see her, like, take that and, like, preparing that to be submitted so if there's a season two which like the way this show was filmed and created and finally published now with covid like 2025 god willing maybe yeah. who even knows um, <laughs> um hopefully we'll see something or maybe they'll do like a like a zoom read that'd be kind of fun um, speaking of la we have the ice cream truck again hello ice cream i'm gonna eat some after we're done recording um because clearly that's what the ice cream truck wants us to do it wants us to be eating ice cream every After sundown. time. <laughs> um, I lost my train of thought. Darn. I really do like ice cream. But anyways, you know, <laughs> every time we end. mention ice cream on this show, it's like <laughs> your brain just goes to, I'm in another happy land. Screw whatever I was talking about. It's only been twice. It's because of pandemic brain. Okay. What I wanted to say is the other cliffhanger uh, to the whole series if you will besides the fact that she's going to submit her work and that Farhan is going to hopefully figure out her life in the in the way that like Farhan needs to get a job that pays the bills not even necessarily like oh because she did writing too and she's not like you know fulfilling her um you know in every other South Asian character it's like oh they're going to be a lawyer or doctor or whatever. it's not that it's just a, like for her to choose what she wants to do moving forward and then Moises, actually, after everything happens with the other man um, who had the elliptic art, he he decides to just, like, close the restaurant indefinitely to figure out what he actually wants out of it. Because I think, well, I know based on watching it, but also I think part of the story there is what does it actually mean for him to be having this restaurant if he's harming the community? Because mm-hmm. it would be one thing if it was, like a, like, like, the whole point of it isn't that it's just some random guy on the street it's specifically uh, a Latin American man, a Latina man who had been there before the restaurant had ever opened. And also for him to take two or three customers away while they're waiting in line because so many hipsters want to eat there is not going to affect his bottom line that much. 
So I think it's a really interesting approach to the story of, well, what do you do when the new restaurant comes into your community? And everyone else who lives in that community has been going to the same person or persons for food. Mm -hmm. And again, it's like he has the best intentions. He is trying to be like, you know, he wants to help his neighborhood. Mm -hmm. But you can just see it slip away from, you know, what they say about the road to hell. Yep. And I think, too, it's it's so hard because it's only an hour. Yeah. Like, the whole premise they was that they made so it short. They so much in an hour. It's like, if, they, if, we, if they'd been given even, like, three full length, like, three full hours, I mean, they could have gotten the whole story arc that they wanted because that would have been, you know, if they do six episodes an hour, 18 episodes, I mean, they just had so much space. And these writers are all talented writers who've written for a lot of different things. Um, and they're all women of color, which we rarely get to see. And I really hope, actually, that Powder Keg gets to make more of mm. the rooms that they had, because I don't think they ever filmed any of the other ones. But, for example, they had one that was an entirely indigenous Native American writer's room. They had one that was all um, Latinx. Uh, and I think they might have had one that was all LGBTQ, but it's been a while since I've read that Deadline article, because 2018 was many years ago. So I would love to just get to see more of that especially mm-hmm. because we that's exactly the kind of content we need. Oh, right. And there was one that was all about, ref, like, by refugees, which is so amazing. Like, this is, a, this is the stuff that I want to see. <laughs> so I really hope that they'll be able to get more funding and make more happen. Because I think Fig is really doing a lot in his goals to, like, diversify his mm-hmm. um, filmography and also the kind of stuff that he supports. So... Wow, this ice cream truck is living its best life. It is right outside the apartment building. Um, and I would also love to see a little bit more about, I think it's Aisha's cousin. Aisha's cousin, whose name I just blanked on. I apologize. Um, I would have to go like rewatch that episode to learn who it was. But he and Farha kind of have a thing but like not really but also like they've known each other for a while and they smoke weed together and like um there's just a lot there that like we don't get to see quite as much of because again 16 minutes is not a long time Mm -hmm. but I have a thousand questions about that relationship and about Aisha's relationship with her aunt because for whatever reason her aunt is just a huge like jerk like it does it well yeah she's a huge jerk but it's like it's one of those things where because everything else in the show has been so layered clearly there's a backstory there and I would love to know what that backstory is because she's a big enough jerk that everybody else in the room is like, what are you doing? Yeah. Cause there's no reason to be up in Aisha's face about things. And we don't really get told it could have been one of those things where like they had a minute, you know, and they had to cut it down. So maybe they wrote it and we like, it just didn't get to be in the final edit. Um, and maybe I'll ask the cast tomorrow when I'm interviewing them, but there's a lot happening there where I'm like, I'll tell you about why you like this. Please chill out. Why? <laughs> um, and just like the way the whole family comes together. And of course, one of the best parts about that whole episode is how it takes them 16 years to get the food done because the uncle is like, I will call you when the food's ready. And of course, the food's not ready until, you know, like 9 p.m. at night. And mm-hmm. they finally get to sit down and eat. And I love like Aisha's relationship with her father. Like there are so many other parts and pieces to the show that it just makes me really sad that it was only six episodes 
We need a second season. We do. We do. Hulu, someone. I don't know how much Please. this costs. I mean, especially now with all of the, again, freaking COVID. But, like, if it get picked up, by the time they get around to doing it and finally airing it, it will be 2025. So, like, they have time I mean, to figure it out. We, oh, I, and I hope not, it does. I really hope we at least get one more season out of this just so we can see what's next. Yeah. Agreed. Again, either give us that or give me, just give me like a table read where it's like the whole hour of the second season. We can, we can kickstart this. Like, (laughs) let me, let me just tweet, let me just tweet Paul Fagg. He liked my tweet about the article, the article that I wrote. So maybe I can be like, yo, can we like kickstart a second season? (laughs) I will give you my $200 I have. Please take this. Thank you. Also, you know, Sahar is interviewing three of the cast members from East of La Brea. Uh, So be sure we'll put links into this article so you can go back and read those interviews if you haven't. But go check those out. Watch the show, read my review, listen to this episode, read my interview, support independent writers, directors, producers. And again... Be safe, wear a mask. Yeah, I was going to be like, wear an effing mask, but you just beat me to it. All right, wear a mask and social distance, make good life choices. Thank you for listening. I think we're done.